Well, it's great to be with you this morning. My name is Tom Van Antwerp, and I am the campus pastor at Grace Chapel in Wilmington. Uh, nice to see my peeps back at home through that lens. It is great to be with all of you here. Uh, welcome to our East Lexington campus and our Watertown campus and any of those of you who are watching online as well. Uh, it is great to be home uh, here in Lexington with you folks today. Well, I want to begin my message by asking a question. And the question is simple. Have you ever been far from home at Christmas time? Have you ever been far from home at Christmas? Chances are, if someone were to ask you the question, where is home, everybody would have some place in mind. Now, for some people, they'd say, well, home isn't a where, it's a who. Uh, others might say, no, I, I actually have a place in mind in a, in a particular city, maybe a particular house, maybe a very specific address. And it might not be the house that you're living in now. It might be the house that you grew up in. Um, but there's something about home, uh, and it's not the same for everybody. Home doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. But for all of us, home is, is that place of belonging. It's that place of becoming. Home is a place of safety and comfort, a place where you can be yourself, a place of acceptance and love. And there's something about the Christmas season that that stirs up our longings for home, isn't there? We're leaning into these themes, as I said, during our Christmas season with the title of our series, Home is Here. Uh, but today we're talking about what it's like when it doesn't feel like home is here, when home is far. And chances are you've all experienced a home, a, a Christmas season when home felt far away. For many people, the first time they experience that is as a young adult. They've moved out, they've uh, graduated, and moved to another city. And they have job responsibilities that might keep them grounded uh, for Christmas time, and, and so they have to stay where they are, not able to get home for the, for the holidays. Men and women who serve uh, in our armed forces are often deployed overseas through the holidays. And so together as colleagues, they... They throw makeshift Christmas parties and they make Skype calls back home to the people they love. Maybe you're here this morning and you're studying abroad and you find yourself not only feeling the distance from home but also feeling the cultural dissonance and the language difference and the cold, steely cold New England temperatures. And so it's really hard. And of course, I've spoken with many, many people over the year who feel far from home at Christmas, not because uh, of some distance from home, but because the person that they most associate with home is no longer by their side. And things feel so different when rooms that were once filled with joy of the season are painfully empty and quiet. Maybe you're here today, this morning, and you're feeling far from home this Christmas. The truth is, you can actually even be close to home. You can live in your home. You can have family around you at home and still feel far from Christmas at Christmas time. Uh, far from the kind of home that you want to have. The reality is, Christmas sentiment often stirs up a longing for the type of experience we want at home. And uh, sometimes we miss that reality. Uh, just one quick example two years ago, uh, my family and I were having one of those idyllic moments. We were setting up our Christmas tree and uh, getting everything ready for Christmas in our living room. I was down on the floor setting up the train that went around the track at the base of the tree. 
And my son Jonathan had a great idea. He thought, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, he grabbed his iPod and he set it up on the back of the train. And he had video. And the iPod went around the train. And he was taking videos of the, it was great. I said, you know what? Let's all get down on the floor, the whole family. And as the train comes around, let's all wave. We thought it'd be a great moment. And so he captured that on film. And actually, here it is. The Van Antwerp family. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Like, is that just not like scream home? I know. I know. Can we just watch it one more time? Let's just do that for just bear with me here. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Oh man. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Eleven seconds of pure Christmas bliss. Now, can I tell you the reality of that? <laughs> what happened? Uh, the few moments before that was filmed. The reality in our home was that took 30 minutes to film. <laughs> Everything was going wrong. Like the iPod kept tipping over and Jonathan got frustrated. The girls were being a little out of control and we were trying to wrangle them and wrestle them back. And I was getting sort of frustrated. I decided we are gonna make this happen. You know, one of the, <laughs> this is going down is what I'm saying. And, uh, and then the older kids started to get fed up with the whole thing. So I'm calling everybody. Julie's trying to wrangle everybody. And just literally, like 10 seconds before that pure home bliss took place, I had one of my younger girls by the shoulders, and I was looking at her in the eye and talking with her in a very firm daddy voice that if she doesn't shape up and help make this happen, five, four years old, if she doesn't make, help make this happen, that little sleepy bear that she sleeps with was going to, on a very long vacation, maybe <laughs> never to come back. So, and then there we all are, waving and smiling. <laughs> I still posted it on Facebook, I have to say, but. Sometimes home feels far, even when it looks really good to everybody else. Well, maybe you're here this morning and you are feeling that displacement that distance from the kind of home that you want to experience. It happens for all of us. But the reality is, I believe there's hope for all of us in moments like that when we feel these things. I actually believe that the farther from home you feel, the closer you are to the truth of Christmas. Let me say that again. I believe the farther you are, the farther you, from home you feel, the closer you are to the truth of Christmas. Because if you go back and read the Christmas story, we read a portion of it in the service, at the beginning of our service from Luke chapter two, we're reminded that really nobody was home on that first Christmas. Think about it. The entire Christmas story, nobody's at home. Mary and Joseph weren't home. We know they were dislodged by Caesar's decree from their home and they had to fling themselves across the uh, three-day journey to Bethlehem. And, and, and Bethlehem, it was Joseph's ancestral home, right? But when they got there, there was no family welcoming them home. There was nobody standing at the driveway clapping as they pulled in with their donkey. Uh, as a matter of fact, all the homes in that place were full places that they could stay. And so they had to rely on the meager offering of a stranger's stable. The shepherds that night, they weren't home. We don't even know if they had families. 
But we know that night they were out working under the stars, not a roof over anybody's head. And a little later in the story, after Jesus is born, uh, the Magi come from the east. They travel this enormous distance on a long journey from home. And then we remember that it wasn't long after Jesus was born that Joseph has an angel appear to him, telling, he, telling him that he better take his family back away from home and flee to Egypt because Herod was out to kill every young boy who was born in and around Bethlehem under two years. And so Jesus' early days were spent not at home back in Nazareth. So it turns out if you are feeling far from home, you might be closer to the truth of Christmas than you ever imagined. But what do we do when we are in this place and we are having these feelings, when those human feelings of displacement uh, settle on us, when we feel unsettled and out of place, when we look around and it seems everyone else is having a wonderful Christmas experience, but we're feeling that distance? Well, I would suggest that you don't, something you don't do is simply close your eyes and uh, open them back up in January when it's all passed over. I know some folks who are in that mindset. Neither do I recommend stuffing those feelings and uh, just putting on a nice show, a facade, pretending that everything is just fine. Instead, I would suggest what we do in those moments is that we lean into those longings, that we let those longings instruct us, that we lean into our longing for home at Christmas. Uh, because I believe that home longing can lead us to a deeper experience of Christmas than maybe we've ever experienced before. Uh, the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 11, uh, speaks about how important this longing for home is, as a matter of fact, in our journey of faith. Hebrews 11, many of you know it, it's sort of the hall of fame for people of faith. Uh, it lists name after name of those who have had faith in the midst of looking for a home. The chapter just recounts the entire story of the Bible. Uh, Abraham and Sarah, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Daniel, David, all the prophets. And it reminds us that all of them lived their life longing for a home. Listen to it in Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16. Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. How did they do it? They saw it way off in a distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world. People who live this way make it plain that they are looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they would have gone back any time they wanted. But they were, a far, they were after a far better country than that, heaven country. You see, you can see why God was so, so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Hebrews eleven thirteen to 16. Well, it turns out if you have a longing for a home, you are in very good company. Like this is a great, uh, great group to be associated with. And what we discover is that the transient nature of, of our Savior that came into the world on that first Christmas night parallels the, the entire story, the whole narrative of faith from beginning to end. Since the time of Adam and Eve's displacement from the garden, the first home, the quintessential 
home. Since they left, all of humanity has been looking to get back home again. Abraham and Sarah were called by God to leave their settled life and to venture out into a place that God said was a promised land for them, a promised home. Isaac and his family began to establish home there, but then famine forced them out down to Egypt. Interesting parallels. Moses, uh, their descendants then in Egypt, 400 years as slaves in someone else's home. And then along comes Moses and God says, you are going to lead these people back home. For 40 years of wandering, the people of God are making their way through the wilderness. Moses never makes it home. But then the people do and over time a kingdom and a homeland is established. David becomes the ruler but he struggles to maintain the home. The prophets start to warn of, of encroachment and captivity. And sure enough, it happens. The home gets scattered again. Daniel, one of those whose entire generation is displaced from home. In exile again, longing to return. So not one of the people mentioned found the home that they were looking for. They were all longing after it. And what were the, these journeyers commended for? God was proud of them because through their searching and struggle, they came to understand that there was a home that was more permanent, more beautiful than what could be found in their lifetime. They came to understand that the home of this world is mere shadow for a home that's yet to come. They saw it way off in a distance, it says. They waved their greeting and accepted the fact that they were transients in this world People who live this way make plain that they are looking for their true home. So the first point of the message is as you lean into your longings, let your longings point you to your true home. Let them point you to your true home. The fact is this life is fleeting and transitory. And the feelings of stability and comfort and belonging that we feel in this world, whatever amount we get, are just mere shadows of the true home that God is preparing for us. And so the season of Advent, of anticipation, uh, is a, a season of expectation of a promise that has not yet been fulfilled. And the fact is, in a deep sense, our entire lives are Advent, aren't they? longing for something to be fulfilled in us and in the world. And at the times we feel these deep longings that we find tough to fill in this life, these times should tell us something about who we are and what we're actually made for. These longings can be instructive to us. In his seminal book on the Christian faith, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this, he said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Amen? I was made for another world. Or as we're putting it today, we were made for another home. And we are. Johnny Cash made popular an old 19th century folk song that reminds us of these longings and points us to that home. He says, I'm just a poor, wayfaring stranger traveling through this world of woe. 
Yet there's no sickness, toil, nor danger in that fair land to which I go. I'm going home to see my mother. I'm going there no more to Rome. I'm just going o'er Jordan. I'm just going o'er home. The song reminds us that the true home we're promised is one that, that lies beyond this broken world uh, that we presently experience. And it's a world that will someday be redeemed fully and the coming of Jesus is actually paving the way to that healing and that renewal and that redemption. So all of us in the midst are transient sojourners in this human experience. And so I just encourage us to let our longings, our feelings of displacement, this experience for wishing that your life in this world offered more than you have, let those longings point you to the hope and promise of the true home. Now, of course, it's not enough to live in this world just pining away for heaven, right? Like we've all heard the statement, uh, some Christians uh, are so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly good. And uh, I've known some Christians like that, to be honest with you, who are so um, spiritually minded that they don't care about the needs and the, 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 the suffering of the world around them. But I would challenge that notion a bit. That, that thinking about our future home does us no good in the present. I actually believe that it is a great benefit for, uh, and a good for everyone around, to everyone around us when we dwell our thoughts and our minds on the home to come, on heaven. I actually think it does good in this world when we fix our eyes on the kingdom of heaven that God is fashioning for us. Now, why is that? Now, I don't have a slide for this sentence, but I want you to listen to it, all right? Why is it that thinking about heaven does some earthly good, actually a lot of earthly good? Because I believe a clearly articulated vision of the world as it should be begins to deeply inform and rightly orient the life we live in, in the world that is. Let me say it again. I believe that a clearly articulated vision of the world as it should be can deeply inform and rightly orient our circumstance and situation in the world that is. You see, the scriptures not only commend us for our hope in heaven, but Jesus reminds us that the kingdom of heaven, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Well, then how is it exactly in heaven so we know how to live in this world? When I was younger, I played the violin and anyone who's ever played a stringed instrument, a violin, viola, cello, anything, knows about sympathetic uh, resonance or sympathetic vibration, right? Uh, it's, it's this thing that happens. You see, when a note is played on an instrument, it, it sends sound waves uh, into the air. Uh, they're created and they move through the air at particular frequencies. <clears throat> Each note has a different frequency. And uh, they represent the different notes on the scale. And if an instrument is... is played powerfully enough, and if it sustains a note long enough and loud enough, then the sound waves that it sends out can be so strong, it actually begins to, to find resonance or vibration in other things around it. And in an orchestra, if your string on your violin uh, picks up on that vibration, uh, you can look down on your violin or whatever and, and see that that A string or that D string starts to vibrate on its own 
and it starts to play. You're not doing anything. It's resonating to the frequency of the other instrument. And so when we, are att- when we attune our instruments to the notes of our true home, the realities of our future home can begin to find resonance in our own instrument of our life. So God begins to tune the instrument of our lives properly so that when his notes are played, our instrument springs to life with song. And so the next move is is not just to long for that home, but the next movement is to bring that home into this home. Like that's what you do with longing. You start bringing that longing into reality in your life. The kingdom of heaven is not an escape from the world. It is a healing of this world. And it's the environment of God's glory, the atmosphere of God's glory that pervades and heals everything it touches. It's not just a place, but as Tim Keller puts it so well, the kingdom of God is a healing power lying in wait. Wow. And when Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's praying that the strings of those whose eyes are fixed on the kingdom would begin to resonate with home frequencies here on earth as in heaven. And so suddenly notes of justice start vibrating on the strings of our lives, deep in our bones, into a world that is so often unjust. And frequencies of of grace and forgiveness start to resonate deep in our soul as we express that to the people in our lives into a world that is so unaccustomed to anybody letting anyone out of a grudge that's held and offering forgiveness. The strings of our lives spring to life with a sense of joy when we, when we look around and see the beauty of God's creation and we see the beauty of what he does in, in nature and through other people. And that love and affirmation begins to vibrate and pulse in our homes as the music of God's love and affirmation starts to sound within us. So bring that home into your home, into your family, into your friendships, into your workplace, into whatever acre of land you live in. And as you live that home, The final thing is, as you live that home, open your home. Open your home. You see, throughout the ages, when God's people experience comfort and safety and goodness, anything that we'd associate with home, when they experience and live it and enjoy it, they are always urged by God to open it up and to invite others into it all the time. Because of the transient nature of God's people throughout the thousands of years, as we've said, the value of hospitality and inviting others in had been deeply embedded into the fabric of their faith. And oh, by the way, our faith too. And so when outsiders or aliens came into town or the village, what did they do? They opened the door. They invited them in. Leviticus 19.34 says, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. You know what that I am the Lord, your God means? That is God's like daddy voice, okay? He's saying, I'm not just saying, I am the Lord, your God. 
Make sure you live this out. And Christmas is just an outstanding time to let someone share in the goodness of the life that you experience. Advent is a great season to be asking God to bring someone into your life to share your home with and your goodness with. Not just the cheery seasonal sentiment of home, but the rich goodness of the resonance of our true homeland that resonates within us. And so throughout the season, we've been encouraged to be praying for one person every day as we step into the day. And I would encourage you to continue that. Can I challenge all of us to, to keep that practice up until Christmas and see who God might bring into our lives and into our minds as we make our way forward. One person to pray for each day, one person to share the love of Christ with every day. Can I just encourage you on your way out of all of the venues uh, at Grace to pick up five cards, not just one. Now listen to me. Five invitation cards. And, and I'm not saying give every one of them out, though that might happen. What I want you to do is to allow it to be a marker for you of your prayer life that at least five times between now and Christmas, I'm gonna pray for one person. And if you're ambitious and you pray for five this week, come on back and grab five more. And maybe God is gonna put on your heart someone that the best thing they might receive this Christmas is an invitation to come and experience the message of the gospel, the truth of God's grace, the beauty of the true Christmas story this season. So take five as you go out the door. Can I challenge you for that? Well, maybe you're here and you feel like you are at a low ebb of offering anybody anything because you feel that distance very strongly. And I know there are many people who are here that are hearing my voice who are feeling very distant from home this Christmas. Can I encourage you with this word? When, when we make our way through challenges in this world, like we all do, right? When we feel far from home and we feel like we're longing for more, there is no better decision you could make at a moment like that than to open the door and let someone in. To open the door and let someone in. You feel like I've got nothing to offer. I've got nothing to give. You do. You have your life. You have your story. And someone might just receive the greatest gift this Christmas because you've invited them to do just that. And I believe that we all need to be ready to do that no matter where we're at in terms of our feeling of longing. And I believe that we might be surprised by what God does in moments like that, how he might lift a spirit, how he might encourage a, a journeyer, a sojourner in this world to move forward. Well, I want to end the message this morning with, with just a story. I've been thinking for some time about sharing this message uh, here during the Christmas season. When home is far, that's that phrase has been rattling around in my bones for, for some time. And I knew I wanted to sit and hear from someone whose life had been truly marked by displacement uh, and hear from them about home and about Christmas and about all the things that we've been talking about. So I heard through the grapevine on staff that there was a, a man who had made his way to grace recently, a man whose story might be instructive and might be helpful for us to hear. Uh, his name is Victoire. And he's been coming to Grace for uh, just a short time now. And a uh, picture on the screen, right here in front of me, Victoire, nice to see you. Um, Victoire grew up in a Muslim family in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And, uh, 
as we were sitting at Dunkin' Donuts this week, uh, he just shared with me some of his story. When he was 17 years old, he and some friends heard that there was a, a Christian evangelist that was coming into his village to preach the gospel. And uh, he said, so we decided we would go and, and stir up some trouble. You know, maybe shout, yell, berate people on their way in, whatever it is that makes people feel like this is, uh, this is not where I want to be. And he said, as I went there to do that, uh, I started listening to what the person was saying. And he started telling the people who had gathered there about this God who had created people out of a love relationship who had sent his son himself to redeem them and to bring them back. He loved them so much that he would extend himself to that great length, the great story of Christmas. And a God who was willing to even sacrifice and give of his life for us. He said, I began to get drawn in. So he captured by the message of this God. At 17 years of age, Victoire gave his life to Christ. And he turned to him surprised his friends, shocked his family. And of course, uh, in that culture and in many cultures, he said that from that day forward, he was, he was cut off from his family, sent out. Uh, he's since uh, reconciled many of those relationships, even led many of his family to Christ. But for three years, he was out of home, uh, living away from home, actually sleeping and uh, living in the church nearby, and the church family became his family. He studied and became a pastor, and he began to go to cities around and to preach and teach the gospel and to plant churches in the area. So his life once again took a very radical turn a few years later when the simmering political unrest in his country sparked into violence and war once again broke out in the Congo. And so that chaos and bloodshed sent Victoire into a neighboring Uganda as a refugee. And there, for 10 years, he lived in a resettlement area. There he continued to share the gospel, to preach and teach. Um, and a year and nine months ago, he was contacted by the UN that he was able to bring his family to the States, to the United States here. He said, we, we've always seen the United States as the promised land. This felt like an answer to prayer. And so, as he spoke, I found myself sort of overwhelmed by his story, uh, amazed by the transient nature of, of someone who went from displacement to displacement to displacement. And I thought, here we are, a, a series called Home is Here. You know the question that I was dying to ask. It was the same question I asked all of you at the beginning. So, Victoire, where is home for you? And uh, in that moment, I could tell he was wrestling with that question. Where would I call home. So I began to think that through and process it through with me. And until one moment when he looked at me with a, a settled conviction and a deep sense of confidence, right there in Dunkin' Donuts. And he said, you know, what I do know is that my Jesus has been with me throughout all of my life. And he said, he has journeyed with me through every season of life, and he's here with me now. He started touching his shoulder and his chest, and I knew what he was saying. He was saying, you wanna know where home is? Jesus is my home. Christ is our home. It may have been a, 
I may have been searching around for a different sort of answer, but the answer he gave that day is the true message of the Christmas season. You want to know where your longings for home are fulfilled? It's in Christ. It's in Jesus, who walks with us and guides us. You see, home is here because Christ is here. And when he comes, we find our true home. And that same Jesus who met Victoire can meet you in your longings for whatever home you're looking for. He can point you to the promise of your true home. He can help you bring that home into your home. And he can call you and empower you to open your home to the people around, them, around you that they might experience too the richness and goodness of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this message of this season. Thank you for the reminder that all of our longings are met in you. We thank you, God, for even the encouragement that when we feel this sense of dissonance, that it can spark our hearts, our minds, our spirits to turn to you in new ways. When things in life feel spare or cold or small, we turn to the author of all things and we find in him a heart that sees us, that lavishes love upon us, that meets us in our emptiness and leads us home. Thank you. Amen.